Will you turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 5? We looked at part one of this last week. Galatians chapter 5, we're speaking on the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin to read from verse 13, please. Keeping your Bible open. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Thus I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous or vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Father, will you help me in my inability and in my frailty? Would you help me, Father, to rightly divide the word of truth and to bring to your people that which you would have me to bring, that the Holy Spirit would have his own way and free course, to speak the word of God to hearts, not the thoughts of man, pastor, or preacher. But, Father, that your word, that you would just touch every heart whether we need to know your conviction or your convincing, your comfort or your compelling. We pray in Jesus' name that you would have your way and do your will, that your Son may be glorified in our lives and seen throughout this assembly and our individual lives also. Lord, we worship you and we love you. We exalt your name and we praise you. We bless you. We thank you. We adore you. 
We tell you there's none like you, none beside you. There is none other. You alone are God and you alone are the Savior. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have shed your most precious blood for us. We thank you for the great work of the cross. We thank you what you've accomplished. And everything is found in you. Glorify your name this morning among the saints. And may our hearts be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, when we looked at this, uh, basically the theme of it was, should a Christian judge? Or should they not judge? For we're often hearing, judge not that you be not judged, and so on. And so we looked at that. And the conclusion was, we also went to the book of James, where he says we shouldn't judge, but it's the, it's the context that it's written in. Should a Christian judge? Well, if a Christian is not the judge, we don't know the difference what is manifesting in a, professor, a professor's life. Someone professing Christ, living in a way they shouldn't be living, we must judge that. And we must judge whether it's the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. We are told to prove. We're told to try. We're told to examine. And it's all a form of judging. Would we judge if we were to allow someone who's a criminal into our homes? Would we judge and say whether we're to watch them or not? Are they really a criminal or not? Of course we are. The idea is with which we judge them and with which manner we, what manner we judge them in. Knowing that we're under grace and living in grace ourselves, but whatever is produced in the life, the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit, then we can tell by their fruit you shall know them. But we must judge according to the rule of the Word of God. Only the rule of the Word of God. It's not what I like, not what you like. It's not what you like or dislike, or I like or dislike, or think or don't think from our own selves, because that doesn't count. Because you're no better than the other person, neither am I. It's what does the Word of God say in that situation about that circumstance or that person or what they're manifesting in their life? What does the Word say? Not what does even the pastor say or the preacher say. What does the Word say? So we're to judge with the measuring rule of the Word of God, the canon of the Word as it's known, and then also with the heart. Is it because we're angry? Is it because we're envious or jealous? Or is it because we're not feeling ourselves? Is it because we're guilty? Trying to bring others down. So it's in the manner of which we judge others. So is a Christian to judge? And when we hear, judge not, you be not judged, don't let anyone throw that upon you. You're to judge according to the word. We have to ask then, is the homosexual lifestyle, is that acceptable? Is all things acceptable to Christ? And the answer is no. So we're judging according to the word, not because whether I agree with it or not, or you agree with it or not, it means little. It's whether the word of God agrees with it or not. Some may disagree that someone who's committed murder can be saved and forgiven. The word of God says that they can But you and I may say, no, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter what you and I think or believe or judge because we're judging from our own minds, our own spirits, our own flesh, our own thoughts and our own wills and ideas. It's what the Word of God says. So everything must come down to the canon of the Word of God. So we are to judge. But now, whenever we look at this and we read the 
examples that are given, and they're more because Paul tells us when we go down the catalogue of the works of the flesh, when we go down that, we see that in that there are quite a number of them mentioned, and then at the end of them all, Paul says in verse 21, and such like, in other words, there's more. There's others linked to, spinning off from, or even different. So there are many other works of the flesh that we must look at. Now, when we say we go through all of these, can I ask ourselves with all honesty, with all honesty now, and ask yourself in your own heart, have you ever walked in the flesh as a Christian? I'm not talking about your fleshy body because we need it to live in and, 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 uh, and to uh, inhabit. I'm talking about the, the lusts or the works of the flesh. The answer is, if we were all honest at some point, some place, some part, and some time, the answer is yes. We're all guilty. The answer is absolutely yes. There's not one of us here could sit and say or stand up and proclaim that I have kept it all completely, totally holy at all times. That's why we need the grace of God. That's why we live in grace. And when Paul says here in our reading in Galatians 5, verse 13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Now notice this. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Now, brothers and sisters, you may say, I'm always mentioning this, and I always mention it because it's rife in church circles today. And sadly, it's been purported by Pentecostals, especially by charismatics. There's a difference, by the way. But anyhow, especially by the charismatic movement. The charismaniacs, they're saying that you can live how you like. Many churches are, are saying to their people, you're under grace. You live how you like. You don't need to walk before God because if you've right thinking, you've a right heart. And if you've a right heart, you can do as you like. You believe that Christ paid it all. And so it's under the blood and we're living in grace. And you can go and be as you want and do as you want. Be your own person and be your own God. Come to church and Sunday and all's well. The scriptures do not teach us that. Here, Paul expressly tells us through the anointing of the Spirit, for brethren, ye have been called under liberty. And we have. We have been set free. I've been set free from alcohol and drugs, addiction. I've been set free from the world and the things of the world and the things that the world do. You see, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, I don't want it anymore. Do I walk in the flesh sometimes? Do I get it wrong sometimes? Absolutely, yes. But that's why I'm living in grace. It's not habitually sinning. Paul says that you've been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for the occasion of the flesh. And I would love to emphasize that, to lift that up, put it on billboards, and put it on wayside pulpit church signs outside every church that says, we're all under grace, live how you like. For the scriptures does not teach that. I believe I'm saved by grace through faith. I believe that I'm washed in the blood. I believe that I live in the grace of God. I believe in sovereign grace. Completely. But I also believe in human responsibility before God. Brothers and sisters, you have a responsibility before God. 
And you and I will be accountable for how we live before God, how we conduct our lifestyles, the things that we, have, that we do, not our sins, but how we live before God. We will be accountable. We will stand not at the great white throne judgment, but at the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And we will give an account of the things that we have done in our body, whether good or bad. People tend to skip these things as though we're all wafting to heaven in a handbasket. And it's going to be, it's just such a wonderful thing. Walk up an aisle or put up a hand. And I was saved in an altar call, but it's all this manner of fact. It's, I've said a little prayer, brothers and sisters. When Christ comes into the life, the life is changed. The man and the woman are different. Notice what Paul says here. In verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. In other words, what he's saying here is he's not saying that so loving your neighbors yourself is everything. What he is saying is, is the ten moral commandments of God, four were the first four were between man and God. The next six of the ten commandments are between man and man, man and, and mankind, woman. And so what he's saying here is, is all of this, the love toward God will be love toward one another. Will be love to serve God, to serve one another. To live before God, to live before one another. And so he's saying, if you and I can keep the whole law, we wouldn't need Christ, but we can't. So he kept it for us. We live in grace. But when he catalogs the works of the flesh... When he catalogues all those things that he has mentioned and such like, what he's saying is then when he gets to the fruit of the Spirit, he's saying if you and I can live completely and totally in the fruit of the Spirit or producing the fruit of the Spirit because we're living completely and totally according to the Word of God, producing that fruit, he's saying then we have kept the law. That's what he's saying. Against such there is no law. In other words, what he's saying is we have kept it. But brothers and sisters, we do feel. We're sorry to say that, but we do feel because you are flesh. So is Paul saying that then you'll not inherit the kingdom of God? The answer is that's not what he's saying. I need to break this down for you just a little. For example, if you go to Galatians 5 and 21. And Paul says he ends up the works of the ends the works of the flesh, and maybe in God's will next week I'll, I'm going to break open what are the works of the flesh. I'm going to emphasize them to you. What are the fruit of the spirit, or what is the fruit of the spirit? And we're going to look at that. Verse twenty one. He, he ends them up and rounds them up by envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told, also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There you are. See, he says it, see? Now notice this, the word, their term, do. Those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God is the word prasso. And prasso means to do or to practice, and it's, an, it's what's known as a durative word, a durative tense. It gives the idea of those who do or practice, which means habitually, continually, it indicates to you and I what their character is within. In other words, there's no change. That's the idea of it. Paul says, all of these things and others that people keep producing in their life, he says, you're to judge. 
You're to look at it and see what they're producing from within comes without. And he's saying it's not just mistakes here and there. It's all the time, habitually, continually, walking in an open course of sin. In fact, you know what Paul is saying? If that be so, they're not saved. My brothers and sisters, you can't expect a, a, a man or a woman to come up and profess their love for Jesus and then producing worldliness continually in their lives. I'm not saying because we've all failed. This means continually, habitually, all the time. They just keep doing it and they're living in it. He says, they're not saved. My brothers and sisters, you're to judge that. Are they saved? Now we have to look at ourselves and examine our own selves, whether we be in the faith. And we say, do I live something, Lord? What is it in me that I need to put out that maybe I haven't even recognized or maybe I haven't yielded or I haven't given over? And the idea is that we examine ourselves according to the light of the word of God and we say, uh, as we look at it, Lord, show me if I'm here or when we're failing. It gives us strength when the Holy Spirit checks our hearts according to the word and says, no, no. You'd think that the Holy Spirit was a great big Santa Claus to hear many people uh, that he's just there to bless you, health, wealth, prosperity, and to give you whatever you think you need at any time at all. Just ask it. You want a jet plane? Then you got it. That's another gospel. I believe that the Lord blesses his children. He blessed me. And by far my rich, absolutely nowhere near it. But he meets my need. He'll meet your need. The idea here is that we must examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. Coming around the Lord's table, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, let us a man examine himself. Where are we? What has our life been like? What has our flesh life been like? Have we produced the works of the flesh or are we producing the fruit of the Spirit? Because they who produce the fruit of the Spirit must learn must seek to continually, habitually walk in the Spirit that we would produce that fruit. Notice this. It means that this habitual lifestyle indicates the character of a man and woman within It's not some infrequent, out-of-the-ordinary action. But walking habitually in an open course of sin, and they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So as a Christian to judge, yes. Those who are repentant, there's another bad word in church circles today, repent. Those who are repentant will no longer habitually do the works of the flesh and live in that lifestyle and in that state. But they will show true repentance. And how do we know that they're showing true repentance? It's simple. Through the fruit of the Spirit. That fruit, they're producing godliness in their life. Now, if someone says, do you know I'm not saved? Don't expect the fruit of the Spirit. They're not saved. 
You'd be saved when you receive Christ as Savior. But if someone says, I'm not saved, don't expect them to be floating on a cloud past you and being, the, uh, uh, and being a, a, a person who is a, a tree of life to you. We're speaking here of those who profess Christ, profess to love him, and yet completely show something different. Notice this. Against such, in verse 23, says there is no law. These things, the fruit of the Spirit, fully meets the demands of the law. So it means that we are actually keeping the law when we are walking in the Spirit. But guess what? We don't always walk in the Spirit, so we fail at it. That's the problem. So what do we do? We trust in the blood of Jesus. We're in Christ who kept the law perfect for us. But we still have human responsibility that in his grace will continue on to live right before God. Brothers and sisters, you know me by now. I believe in living right before God. And Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Let's just look at it briefly. Paul gives us 17 examples. As I said, there are others that we could uh, produce in our lives for the works of the flesh. 17 examples. And let's just read them quickly. Verse 19 says, chapter 5, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Things like that, in other words. Many other things like that that we produce from our flesh. Here's something for you. Let me admit something to you. Maybe I shouldn't, but I will. About a month ago, I was dealing with someone about something, talking to them continually. I want to be careful. And they dealt with, as I dealt with them in love, they came to me one time with an attitude. I mean, bad attitude. And as I was talking, their attitude got worse. And the more softer I tried to be, their attitude got worse. And I'll be honest, I blew a gasket. (laughs) Told them to get out. It actually helped them, believe it or not. (laughs) Settled them down. See, afterwards, I felt terrible. You know why? I felt I'd done that in the flesh. Brother, sister, even outbursts of anger is the flesh. Now, you can be angry and sin not. Maybe I did that, I don't know. But outbursts of anger continually, habitually, being hard, as it were, to deal with is of the flesh. And for days it killed me because I don't get like that. I refuse to get like that. I used to get like that. When I was in the world, and even when I first got saved, the Lord had to really deal with me. 
Because I was an angry, quite violent man. The works of the flesh is death. Death. Now, whenever Paul is mentioning these, we'll look at it in the Lord's will next week. You're going to see how even if you're being awkward continually, listen, awkward continually, it's the works of the flesh. If you're being awkward in your home, if you're being awkward in the church, it's the work of the flesh. If you're being awkward against what we're trying to do to move forward in God, it's the work of the flesh. This happened to me about three or four weeks ago. I was so sorry I did it. And you know what it does? It takes away that sense of the Spirit of God about you. Notice what Paul says. There are 17 examples of the works of the flesh, but there are nine examples of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, notice works, plural, fruit, singular, because the law is kept completely as one. James says, if any man keep the whole law and offends in one point, he is guilty of it all. In other words, if you're climbing up a wall and you have a chain and it's one weak link and that one weak link breaks, you're still going to fall even if the rest of the links are strong and stand together. It's the same with the law. And Paul says, that's what the law points to us as sinners. That's what the law says to us as sinners. But whenever we come to Christ, we are kept in Christ and the law no longer has a curse upon us because he kept it and we live in grace. So when we're producing the nine fruit of the Spirit completely, totally, and wholly, I can't see that happening until Christ's return because we're still in a body of flesh. But when we keep that, we are keeping the law of God. Against such there is no law, that's what it means. The law can still point to me and say, Ken, see what you did. You walked in your flesh for that couple of moments. But grace says, Ken, move on. Notice this. For example, we are looking for the fruit of the Spirit. We're in Matthew 3, verses 7 and 8. John the Baptist is baptizing and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jewish leaders, church leaders, if you want, or religious leaders come down and and they're asking about baptism. John looking at them, he judges them, he decides them. He says, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Notice what he says then in verse Matthew 3 and 8. Bring therefore fruits Meat for repentance. The word for repentance is metanoia. It means change your mind to change your heart. This is what it also means. It appears and shows that one has turned from the purpose he or she 
has formed of something he or she has done. Let me read it again to you. It appears and shows that he or she has turned from the purpose which he or she has formed of something that he or she has done. In other words, the world are sinning habitually, continually, because they're living in a life of depravity and sin. They know no better because they're dead and their trespasses and their sins, and they don't care. But when the Word of God comes to the heart and mind, when the Word of God is preached to them, then it appears true repentance isn't, I'm a wee bit sorry, I'll say a wee prayer, and I'm, I don't know, I don't really like church. you ever get that? You leave, you're talking, you say, this person's coming to Christ, and you say, you need to find a good Bible-based church, and you need to get in there and get taught and get fellowship. I don't really like church. I don't think I'll bother. That's nonsense. True repentance appears and shows that one has turned from their purpose, which they had formed, of something that they had done. They turn, they say, that is wrong way, I'm turning to face God. They abandon their sin and they follow Christ and they pursue hard after him. That's true repentance. And in that, they bring forth fruit. They bring forth fruit. Now you're to judge that. You see when someone turns and says to you, judge that, did you be not judged? Ask them where it is. Is it in the Bible? Yeah, we told you last week, Matthew 7. But you ask them, where would I find that? You know why? Because usually those that say that don't know. We are to judge according to the word. And we are to judge according to the spirit of the word, not the thoughts of our own hearts and minds. Galatians 5 and 16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I'm going to say something that might seem hard. Brothers and sisters, you know me. I love you. I love you. But I love you enough to tell you the truth week by week. Not to tickle your ears and fill you full of candy floss nonsense. Sugar-coated poison. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Do you see, whenever you're getting close and you know that temptation is calling you, you know what's wrong? It's because you've walked too close to the flesh and not to Christ. It's as simple as that. It's because you've stopped lifting the Word of God and reading it. It's because you haven't been found in the place of prayer. It's because you've stopped fellowshipping with the saints in the house of God. Rather, fellowshipping in the winter at the fireplace with the flames of the coals that burn there. Or fellowshipping with your television on a Sunday evening because the flesh says, don't go. The flesh says, stay in. The flesh says, and the Lord says, you're walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. 
Have you ever had the Lord, you're sitting or you're walking somewhere, you're out, and the Lord's saying, come aside, come apart and talk to me. You've been sitting maybe watching your favorite program, wherever that may be, and the Lord says, turn it off and come speak to me. And the works of the flesh says, after this, Lord, after this. And after that, the Lord says, doesn't matter. Forget it. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit produces fruit. You know what's wrong? It's we're not going to that place to seek Him. We're not fellowshipping with the saints, but rather the world is overflowing our hearts and our minds, whether it's at work or whether it's at, in our neighborhoods or wherever it may be. And what happens? We start to walk closer to that which is having dominion over us, which is the world. But when we walk in the Spirit by the Word of God, when we seek His face, we're in the prayer closet or the prayer meeting or the Bible study or the gospel service or around the Lord's table. We're coming closer to Christ. We're saying, Lord, wash me by the water of the Word this morning. Cleanse me afresh in your blood this morning. I'm coming to turn myself back Onto you, O God. I'm coming from to set aside from the world that this one day of the week, this Sunday, it belongs to you, Lord. And the rest of the week, Lord, set me up to walk in the Spirit. If we abandon, if we abandon the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord will close. If the house of the Lord would close, then there'd be a lot of lost sheep, or a lot of sheep that feel lost, not penned in a fold. The dangers of an outside world. In John 15, and I'm coming to a close, thank you for your attention. John 15, the Lord Jesus said this Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except you be in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. Do you want to glorify your Father in heaven? You know what you do? Stay close to Christ. Stay close to the Son of God. If you want to glorify your Father in heaven, go talk to Him. Go seek His face. If you want to glorify your Father in heaven, if you want to have a fruitful ministry, if you want to produce fruit in your life, if you don't want to walk in the flesh, but you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, and temperance in your life, if you want all that to be producing, because next week we'll look at the fruit of the Spirit, and we'll just mention the nine gifts of the Spirit, but we're not going into those because we've done studies on those. But if you're wanting to look at this, you look at the fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit does? It shows the, 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 the works of Christ in a life. 
The gifts of the Spirit shows the deity of Christ in the life. That's the difference. When you and I are walking and we are walking close to Christ, then Jesus walked in flesh. His flesh produced fruit through the Spirit. His flesh, the man, the humanity, Christ Jesus, our Goel kinsman redeemer, he who was God who became flesh, he produced fruit in his flesh through the Spirit. That's the body of Christ on earth are the same. We can only produce fruit through our flesh by Christ living in us, by us one with God in Christ, through the Holy Ghost, by you and I being in tune with the Spirit and God anointing us that we would produce it in our lives. That's the difference. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. If you break a branch off, and put it on the ground and go back a while later, it's dry, it's wizened up, it's easily broken, there's no fruit, in other words, it's dead. And you and I outside of fellowshipping with Christ, you know what happens? We become dead. We become lifeless. We become through other, lethargic and lazy about it and, and tired of the things of God and backslidden and cold in heart and we don't want to know anymore. You know why? Because we're apart from Christ. And we wonder, why is there no fruit in my ministry? Why am I not seeing great changes? You know why? Because we're walking too much in the flesh and not in the spirit. That's why. That's why. And Jesus says, you can't bring forth fruit. You'll see nobody getting saved. You'll see no healing coming to the church. You'll see no circumstance change. No great answer to prayer. He says, you know why? Because you're not abiding in me. Without me or apart from me, adrift from me, you can do nothing. You know what that means? It means for the kingdom to glorify the Father. It doesn't mean we're, we're zombies and we have to stand, we can do nothing, I can't go to work. That's not what it means. We can do all the things in the flesh. Of course we can all those things that are listed. We can still do all those without you, Jesus. Yes, he says, but you will not glorify your Father and you cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. And there's no Holy Ghost in the church. There's no moving of the Spirit at the preaching of the Word. There's no conviction of the Spirit. There's no compelling of the Spirit. There's no compunction from the Spirit. Unless we're abiding in Christ. So, Paul says in Galatians 5 and 18, if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, you're keeping the law. You're so close to Christ, but we fail. We don't mean to. We don't walk habitually, continually in the works of the flesh or our sin. What we do is when we recognize it through the Spirit and the Word, He turns us again to the Savior. We trust in the fountain of shed blood. The blood of Jesus has never lost its power. It still avails this morning for every one of us. 
next week in the Lord's will. Thank you for your attention. We will look at the nine fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at the 17. It'll surprise you what some of them mean. The 17 works of the flesh that are mentioned in this. I don't know about our pastor friend here, Jordan, but in many churches you won't get people speaking like this. I'm sure you're aware of that yourself, pastor, but you don't get many people speaking like this for this reason because people don't want to hear it. But you know, brothers and sisters, I thank the Lord for this assembly. Because you know me by now, my heart for the, the Lord and for you. To see us all go on in God and do well. I believe Christ is coming. I don't know when, but I know he is. We got to be living this. Up and doing. The kingdom of heaven draweth nigh. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you all. We'll see you tonight in the Lord's will.